Hello and welcome to another episode of our revolutionary podcast. This is Pastor Tito Soto Longo, your podcast pastor, as well as pastor of Tabernacle of God Church in Tampa, Florida, where my job is to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And so today we're bringing an end to our series on racial reconciliation called Grace, and we are doing it by focusing on the topic of justice. Now, the problem is, is that it's hard for us to do justice when we all have different definitions for what justice is and what justice looks like. And if we want to be able to know justice, all right, and do justice, we have to know what Jesus, what God's definition of it is. Because without it, we can actually be harmful and hurtful instead of helpful. And the only way we can know what God's definition is, is by opening up his word and seeing what he has already said. So let's dive in and let's look at a very popular verse and let's see if our definitions match up with God's. Listen, that song we just declared, right? It says it's living hope. It's a hope. It's a hope that's alive in us and it's God in us, right? It's that living hope. It's a hope that's alive, but it's also a hope that leads us on how to live our lives. It's a hope for how we live our lives. And that's why we've been doing this series right now, because I'm telling you, if, if there was one word that I think any of us would, maybe the word that song we just declared, right? It says it's living hope. It's a hope. It's kind of like it's a hope that's alive in us. And it's the news and social media. I mean, can we be honest? People in the chat, everybody here, like anybody losing hope on society real quick? Or like, can we just be real right now, right? Are you losing hope? I, you know, let's, you can have that moment and be like, Oh, wow. Jesus, Jesus, help me. You know, because like, you know, it, it's crazy to see just everything. And it's like if it's uh, one thing after another after another. But you know what? We have a living hope and a hope that leads us to and moves us to live. And so this series that we've been doing is called, if we can put the title on one last time, because we're going to wrap it up today. It's called Grace or Race, depending on how you are reading or seeing the title. Uh, Grace or Race, I highlighted the G. By, by the way, I got to give love to one of our own, Elizabeth Solano, for the graphic. Good job on the title there, Elizabeth. All right, she helped do that. So, but as you see it there, G, right, Grace, Race, because what, uh, how do we... How are we to respond to the racial tensions and so many things that people are discussing and talking about still? And I highlighted the G because the G, well, we need grace to deal with the issues of race. And the G is the gospel. G is God. He needs to be a part of the solution. He needs to be a part of the equation. So, all right, we, we can bring that off. It's all good. But... So with that, and this is what we've been talking about. This is the thesis that I've been using for the last couple of weeks, is that we do not have, this is my thesis, okay? We do not have a race issue. We have a grace issue. Now, before anybody goes on Twitter storm and starts hashtagging me, hold on, listen. All right, I'm not one of those deniers. I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist. No, what I'm saying is that racism is just another symptom of the sickness. And the symptom of the sickness is sin. All right, and the reason why I say we have a grace issue is because if we do not like the way we are treating one another, 
And if we are seeing too much injustice and this and that, it's because we have a grace issue. Because when the grace of God, that loving hope that we just declared, right? That loving hope that we were seeing, when that hits you and you realize that you are a sinner saved by grace and that, I mean, the way that God plucked you from the flames of hell when you put your trust and confidence in him, even though you don't deserve it, don't earn it, all that. When the grace of God hits you, you are never the same again. The grace of God produces a gratitude towards God that he saved you. And that gratitude changes your attitudes, which changes your actions for the better. And so if we are seeing people mistreating one another, it's because not enough of us have been hit by the grace of God, or let me put it on the church now, ready? I'm gonna put it on y'all. Or what if the church and those of us who say we understand the grace of God, have been saved by the grace of God, maybe we still don't understand the full ramifications of how that grace is supposed to impact how we live. And that's the big one. That's what we've been really discussing. And so today, the topic for today is justice, right? Have you ever seen people, right, right now, they're marching in the streets, even here in Tampa, and what's the chant that we always hear? No justice, no peace. Right? And that's a true statement. Let's be honest. If there is, how can you find peace when you know there is injustice, right? So that's a true statement. There's no way we can find peace if there is no justice. But I'm going to add a word because you cannot talk about justice without talking about righteousness. Okay? Both go hand in hand. You cannot talk, especially when we're talking about God, because God talks about justice a lot. But when he talks about justice, he talks about it in the context of justice and righteousness. And both are in the heart of God. Justice and righteousness are in the heart of God. Injustice and unrighteousness is found in our hearts. It's found in our hearts. This is why we need a new heart. This is why Jesus came into the world to live the life that you and I could not live, to pay for the, the penalty of our sins that, so that we wouldn't have to by putting our trust and confidence in him so that he can give us eternal life, new life, a new heart, new mind that all comes with new desires and new definitions. And we need a new, we're not finding a new, we need to renew better our definition of justice and righteousness according to what God has to say. Because here's the thing, guys. We, okay, we tend to put a question mark where God has put a period. I'm going to say that again. You hear me? We tend to put a question mark where God put a period, where God spoke and said, this is what it is. We put, really? <laughs> okay. We put that question mark like, are you sure that's what? Yes. All right. And the thing is right now we need to look. We need to look at where did God put a period, all right? Where did he put a period, and where have we put a question mark where God has instead spoken? We need to look at that. If we want to find justice and righteousness, we got to start with God. Because if you try to pursue both justice and righteousness without trying to pursue God in the equation, it's not going to work. It's like, well, you're going to end up like this. It's like a husband trying to argue with his wife, because even if the husband wins the argument, ladies, let's be honest, he really lost, right? If the husband wins the argument, in the end, he really loses, all right? And that's the thing. If we produce, if we try to pursue justice and righteousness without God in the name of trying to win, we end up losing. 
So let's see where God put a period. Ready? Here we go. We're going to look at a very popular verse with a lot of social justice warriors and Christians. This is a big one. This is a one that gets quoted a lot. So we're going to look at it. It's like, all right, God, what do you mean? When you said these words back in 700 BC through the prophet Micah, all right? So we're going to look at an Old Testament scripture. Micah was a prophet that God sent to both the northern and the southern kingdom of Israel. They had experienced a civil war around this time, and God spoke to both of them. And the reason why Micah had to go was because the people were not living. They were not doing justice or righteousness, all right? In fact, it was a complete opposite. It was a complete opposite. So let's look at the text. We're going to start with verse 6 and 7. Everybody always goes to 8. Ignore 6 and 7. So we're going to go to 6 and 7 first, and then we're going to break it down. Let's read it together. Micah chapter 6, 6 and 7. Micah is what you see there on chapters verse 6 is Micah is recording the people's response to God because God has called them out on their injustice and unrighteousness and the people are responding. All right, God, what do we do to fix the problem? So Micah is speaking right now, writing what the people of Israel are saying back to God. So let's read it together. What should I bring before the Lord? When I come to bow down before God on high, should I come before him with burnt offerings, with year-old calves? Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with 10,000 streams of oil? We're going to keep going on the next one. Should I give my firstborn for my transgression, the offspring of my body for my own sin? What do I do to rectify this sin, God? And then Micah replies back, mankind. I was like, man, come on. All right, man, listen, he has told you. He's told each of you what is good. You know the answer. You're just not listening. What is the Lord? What does the Lord require of you? Let me repeat it one more time. And Micah replies what God says. And let's read now verse 8, the popular one. Here it says, to act justly, to love faithfulness, walk humbly with your God. Act justly, love faithfulness. Walk humbly with your God. All right? You might not be, I mean, if you're a believer in Christ, you probably heard that verse before, right? Anybody heard that verse before? Those in the chat, those watching online, you heard that verse before? You probably, this is maybe the first time you're at church, or it's been the first time in a long time, and I guarantee you, you've probably heard that. Because this is a popular one, especially when it comes to that first one, right? Do acts of justice. But did you catch a theme, right? At the very beginning, God is saying, listen, I got a problem with all of you. The, there's injustice, the, the rich and those who are powerful were, mis, were abusing their power, and they were using it against the poor, and there was a lot of injustices being committed. But then it wasn't just, hey, the problem was up top, not on the bottom. No, it was up, down, top, bottom, inside, out, because everybody was living unrighteous lives. And so did you see at the very beginning, right? It's kind of maybe weird for us. Like, well, God, what do you want? Do you want more offerings? Do you want more services? You know, do you want us to sing you a song? Like, how can we make this better, God? We messed up. Okay, so how can we make this better? And Micah replies back, you already should know this. But see, that's the reason why they're in trouble. That's the reason why the culture is in trouble. The, the culture was in trouble because their spirit, their view of God was messed up. And here's the problem. Everything that they were saying, right, those animals and sacrifices and oils, those were all religious rituals. So they were pretty much saying, all right, God, what religious ritual do you need? You know, you, you said you like these things, so, so how about we just kind of double it up and, you know, we give you a little bit more. You want us to sing a little louder? You want some more music? You want some, what do you want, God? What do you want? 
And God's like saying, no, I don't want any of those things. That's, you're missing the point. And God is consistent throughout the Old Testament. In the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah around this time, uh, the prophet Amos, oh man, God, God brings all the smoke with Amos, bro, big time. Because he goes with Amos, and, and in chapter 5, in a similar scenario, the prophet is speaking to a corrupted culture, and he's saying, God literally says these things in chapter 5, I hate your songs. I hate your services. I hate your offerings. Just shut it all down. God, you know, they, they didn't want that smoke, right? They didn't want that. They didn't want that at all. And God was saying, I hate these things. Now, why though? Why? I hate these things. But God, you, this is your idea, right? This is your idea. You told us to do these things. What do you mean you hate it? Because listen, guys, the religious rituals were meant to inspire and to teach them how to have a relationship with God. That's all he wanted. In the end, he wanted a relationship, not empty rituals. The, the rituals were meant to be a means to an end. And the end was you end up in a relationship with God. That's what the rituals were meant to teach. But these people decided to just settle for the rituals and bypass the relationship. And they thought it can be okay. But obviously it wasn't. He says, I don't want your rituals. I just want you. That's really what it is. I want you. The, the rituals lost their meaning. And so they lost that connection with God and everything was impacted. And so that's something that's true for us, guys. Listen, God doesn't want your church attendance. He doesn't want your attendance. He really doesn't want your offering. He doesn't want your singing because you could literally act like it's easy to act like a saint for one hour a week on a Sunday when you then live like the devil the rest of the week. That doesn't matter. That's not what he wants. That's not what he wants. He just wants you. That's it. That's what he wants. And so with this, he's saying, and, and in the end, what Micah was trying to say through chapter 6, that's the whole point. He said, listen, what do I want from you? Let me repeat myself again. Just do, act justly. Love faithfulness. Walk humbly with your God. Here's the problem that the people did not understand. I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, if you missed it. I said that we cannot get this right in society. Like, we can't get the horizontal right if you are not being made right vertically, right? You can't get this right if you are not made right. The, the relationship with God is important. But then let me flip that though, you ready? You can't claim to be made right if you are not doing anything to make things right. You see how that goes? You can't claim that you are made right if you're not doing anything to make this right. If that, if that hope is not impacting how you live, you can't claim that you got that. So it's important. It's important. They all go together. And so am I saying that, hey, what, uh, you know, we have to do everything, fix everything? No, I, I tried to be very sobering with you, okay, with the issue of racial reconciliation. I, this is going to be heavy, and some of y'all are going to like this. It ain't going to happen. You know who said that? Jesus did. Listen, we will not bring racism to an end. We can't. We won't. It won't happen. Jesus said so. Do you know he, Jesus said this phrase? If you've never heard of this, some of y'all probably heard it. In the last days, in the last times, when the world is about to end, do you know that Jesus said this phrase? Nations will rise up against nations. 
Now he's not just talking about political entities and superpowers that are going to be fighting each other. Because the Greek word that Jesus used, used right there, nations, is the Greek word ethnos, which is where we get our English word ethnicities. So it means that, listen, all the way up until the last day and the last moment when Jesus returns to make things right, you're going to have wars between nations and you're going to have wars between ethnicities, races, Okay, there's no such thing as races. There's just one human race, but there is ethnicities. Jesus said, you will have ethnicities will rise up against ethnicities. That is going to be all the way up until the end. Jesus himself said, you will always have the poor. You will always have the underprivileged. You're always going to have those people. So what does that mean? Do we just say, all right, God, well, hey, it's not on me, man. And so like, you just back up and you just, no, 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 no. Because again, if you are made right, you will make efforts to make things right. I'm just trying to be real with you. We ain't going to end it, but it doesn't mean we tolerate it. You hear me now? You see what I'm saying? Just because wickedness and sin will not end until Jesus returns doesn't mean we tolerate it. No, we stand up for those. We do. We take action in whatever way possible. Just because it exists doesn't mean that we got to let that fire roam. I hope, you know, let's, let's try to get that fire to at least a flicker. Okay. You, you get me on that? Bring the fire to a flicker. I'm just telling you, this is real though. But we are called to act. Again, Jesus, what did Jesus say? What did God say through the prophet Micah? Act justly. Love faithfulness. And then what? The walk humbly with your God. This is what he wants. And do you know that Jesus is consistent with this? God doesn't change. Now let's break this up. What are these three things? Because this is where everybody kind of goes a little off and wrong. And we put our own definitions and question marks where God put a period. Act justly. What does that mean? Listen, that's dealing with the outside. God says, listen, to do, to act justly means to, it's really dealing with the way you treat one another. Be fair in the way you treat one another. Treat each other as equals. Treat each other equally. View each other equally. Value one another as equals. That's what act justly means. Do those things as equals. Now, it doesn't mean equal outcome, because let's just be honest, you can have somebody with 51% and another with 49%, and I'm like, that's not fair. That's my kids. Okay, listen, I don't care. I try to equally pour enough drinks in all three cups, and somebody be like, why does he have more? And I'm like, it's by like this. Okay, that's us. So God's not talking about equal outcomes, okay? We are, it's equal processes. We ought to treat each other equally, value one another as equals. As we got to value the, the fact that each and every person, human being, is born with the image of God. The image of God. This doesn't mean that every person who's born is a son and daughter of God. I got to pause and I got to be real on that one because you are only a son and daughter of God if you've placed your trust and confidence in Christ. Because me... Before I put my faith in Jesus, I was not. I was not a son of God. I was an enemy of God. I was a sinner. A sinner makes you an enemy of God. Now, I still had the image of God, but it was a distorted image because of sin. Okay? And we all have, every human being has the image of God, and that is enough for us to view and treat and value each other as equals. That is how we're supposed to do it. But the problem is, is that we here, humanity still has a problem with Genesis 3, which says we are all made in the image of God. Because if we reject creation, if we reject God, then we reject the actual image that you have, and humanity will continue to do the unimaginable. Because we won't recognize that everyone is an image bearer of God. 
That's called, you know what I'm gonna call that? I'm gonna call that cultural selection. This is what we do. Forget natural selection for those of y'all, if y'all grow up with that. Now, we live in cultural selection. I get to pick and choose who I get to value. I get to pick and choose who I get to love. I get to pick and choose who I get to respect. I get to pick and choose who survives and who doesn't. I get to choose that. That is cultural selection. And we do that because if I don't have to, if I believe that you do not have the image of God, I don't have to bear dealing with you. If, and so that's the problem that we have. That's why it is hard for us to do acts of justice correctly because we like to play games on who gets it, who doesn't. But this is where part two, and, and man, out of the three things, I think that the second one gets, doesn't get the love, right? And which is funny because that's the one that says love, right? It's act justly. Everybody loves a harp on that one, especially all the justice social warriors, right? Then I'm like, yo, we got to do acts of justice, acts of justice, acts of justice, which is right. But hold on. Love faithfulness. What does that mean? Mm -mm. Okay. Uh, Walk humbly with your God. Okay, I think I got that one. Love faithfulness is the one that I think gets ignored, and it's translated weird depending on the English. It'll either say love faithfulness or love mercy. But you know what that that, uh, Hebrew word is, in fact? It's the word loving kindness. The word there is loving kindness. That loving kindness is used throughout the whole Old Testament. David uses it. So many people use it to talk about the loving kindness of God. It's his character. That word, love, faithfulness, or loving kindness, is the character, it's the nature of God. It is an extreme, covenant, loyal love. That's what this loving kindness means. In fact, let me, you know, let me explain loving kindness. Loving kindness is a covenant, not a, uh, not a contract. A contract means, hey, if you don't hold up your end of the deal, psh, I don't got to do mine. That's, that's covenant. That's a, that's a contract. A covenant means I got to hold up my end of the deal, even if you don't. That's marriage, by the way. It's a covenant. I got I to gotta hold up my end of the deal, even if you don't. Loving kindness means, y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't want to hear this one. Listen. Loving kindness means I, you are called to love someone who doesn't love you back. It's not up to them if you, if you, they, if you deserve to love. No, you love someone who doesn't love you. Let me put it even extremely. Let me go farther. Love someone who hates you. You got to respect someone who disrespects you. You got to honor somebody who dishonors you. You got to listen to someone who doesn't want to listen to you. That's loving kindness. And they both go hand in hand. You are supposed to do acts of justice in loving kindness. Because the love, without the love, you are not going to do acts of justice. Because you are going to play who gets it, who doesn't. It's the loving kindness of God. What God is really saying there, do acts of justice in loving kindness. You know what he's saying? Love others as as I have loved you. Literally is what he's saying. Old Testament right there. Treat others the way I treat you. View others the way I view you. Love others the way I love you. Man, it's like one of those, I'm like, God, come on, God, really? Like, really? Like that? Yep. He wants you to be a, listen, a reflection. And that's impossible. Like, I'm not saying you, you got to be perfect. That's not what I'm trying to say, but you ought to grow in that love. How do you grow in that love? How can you reflect that radical love? Easy. Part three, walk humbly with your God. When you are in a relationship with somebody, things tend to rub off. Yes or no? 
mannerisms, phrases, words, desires. The more you are in a relationship with somebody, that relationship, that person will rub off on you and you will reflect that person, not fully, not perfectly, but more and more, right? That's why the walk humbly is so important. Because when you walk humbly with your God in his loving kindness, you will reflect that loving kindness through acts of justice. All three. This is not separate, guys. These are not three separate things that God wants. Like, all right, look, uh, you know, the, the walking humbly with your God is like the appetizer. You know, the love faithfulness, that's a salad. We skipped that one, right? But acts of justice, that's the main dish. No, they're not three things. They are all one thing, and they're all linked together. In fact, the loving kindness of God is what links the two. Because here's the truth of it, y'all. And be honest, you're probably going to realize, maybe some of you don't even think this. But this happens. There is a dividing line. There's two camps in churches and two camps in our culture. You're going to have people who are all on the walk humbly with your God crowd. That's going to, we're going to call them the righteousness crowd, okay? It's all about the relationship with God. It's all about walking humbly with your God. It's all about salvation. That's what's most important. And they put all their eggs in that basket, right? That's the, ju- that's the righteousness crowd. And then you got the justice crowd who are like, no, no, no. It's all about acts of justice, acts of justice, acts of justice, so we have one crew, we have one crew that cares only about justice. Another crew cares only about righteousness. And, you know, the one that gets lost in the middle, right, is the one that doesn't get any love. It's loving kindness. And so you'll have Christians, you'll have even, look, look, look how we're even so divided. We'll have, hey, what we need to do is speak up against wickedness. Walk humbly with your God. It's all about wickedness. We got to speak up against wickedness. We got to speak and defend the, what was it? We got to defend the the, uh, the unborn and we have to defend the sanctity of marriage. Camp one. Camp two. No, it's about justice. It's about the poverty. It's about handling and dealing, confronting poverty. It's about handling and dealing oppression and injustice. Those are two separate camps. We have one. uh, No, what we need to do, all we need to be is evangelists. That's it. We need to be evangelists. And then this crowd wants to think, no, what we need to do, we need to be activists. Then you'll have over here, no, 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 it's, it's about the, it's wickedness. No, it's about the wounded. And those are like, we act like those are two options that we have. There's a third option. It's called both, okay? It's called both. And that's what God is saying. And you know what links it? The loving kindness of God in the middle. It's the link between the two. Without the link of the loving kindness of God, you can be an activist. You can be all about justice, and then you are going to commit injustices in the name of justice without the loving kindness of God. If you focus on justice without the loving kindness of God, which is only found in a relationship through Jesus Christ, you will commit injustices and justify it and claim it as justice. But then, let's go to the other camp. You can be on the other side. And if you're like, if you are only focusing on righteousness and wickedness, right? You, if you focus on righteousness without the loving kindness of God that leads to action, if all you do is focus on wickedness and righteousness, you become self-righteous without the loving kindness of God. And then you think you're better than anybody else. You become self-righteous. The loving kindness of God is what anchors us, that allows us to walk in righteousness and become the righteousness of God while we do. It's all linked. 
Guys, it all goes together. In fact, justice is produced from justification. When you place your trust and faith in Christ, you are made right, then you are covered and you become the righteousness of Christ. But then that ought to lead you into do acts of justice. When you put your trust and confidence in God, it is not just about believing. That's the wicked, that's the righteousness side. It's not just about believing, it's living. And you know that Jesus never just asked you to believe? Jesus never just put it on you. All you have to do is believe and that's it. He always invited people to follow. Come on, follow me. Follow me. Follow me is an invitation to learn how to believe and live. It's an, it's an invitation to do both. It's an invitation to do both. And we need to understand that we cannot separate these, th- these three things. And you see in Micah 6, all right, it's not just because everybody thinks, well, acts of justice goes first. So it's like, that's what God cares about most. He does. Because again, God's not going to have it. You know, Jesus even said, hey, if you and your brother got an issue, leave your offering here. Go fix that. Handle that. Because you can't claim that I'm, you are right with me if this ain't right. In fact, it's the opposite. Your relationship with God can be hurt if you are not working towards forgiveness and rectifying a broken relationship that breaks this relationship. They're all connected. And this is what God is trying to say to Micah. Listen, what do I want from you? I just want you. And if I have you, it should result in this kind of a life. Do acts of justice in loving kindness through a relationship with me. It's one sentence, guys. It's not three separate things that God's like, hmm, which one do I want to give God today? It's all three. Do acts of justice in loving kindness through a relationship. I want y'all to use your imagination. Ready? You don't have to close your eyes, but here we go. I want you to picture your favorite fruit tree, whatever that looks like, all right? I'm going to use oranges. I like that one. So, all right? You got an orange tree. We all know what trees look like, all right? They're big. They got branches. They got leaves, right? They got, and off the branches hang the fruits. That is the image that God wants people to have. To do acts of justice in loving kindness through a relationship with God is this. Acts of justice are the fruits, It's the byproduct of the relationship. Acts of justice are the fruit. You and I are the branches that are connected to the trunk that is connected to the ground, okay? Through a, we can only walk humbly with our God and have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He established, he brought back the tree of life through the cross by dying on the cross. And so Jesus, we have the relationship with Jesus connected to Christ by faith, by his grace. And then the fruits happen. Where's the loving kindness? The loving kindness is the, is the you know, the, the lifeblood of the tree that goes from the ground up the trunk through the branches and the loving kindness shoots out from the branches. So you and I, our focus is not on developing fruits, No, the fruit should happen if we focus on developing our roots in a relationship with God. It's important. You can't get, it's trying to do acts of justice without God. It's like be you a branch trying to produce fruit by being disconnected from a tree. That's it. That's what what it is. You're just going to produce bad fruits, bad apples, right? Everybody's complaining about the bad apples that are everywhere. Well, hey, you can be one if we are not connected. We have bad apples because we have broken branches that are not connected to God as the source. And that's important. And and so I'm going to kind of rephrase this. And here's the thing. If, If I want you to focus, it's this. Listen, fruits are produced when roots remain. 
Fruits are produced when roots remain. Fruits are produced. The fruits of justice, the fruits of of actions. Fruits are produced when roots remain. Jesus said this in John chapter 15. He is giving his final lesson to his disciples right before he goes to die on the cross. On the last supper, he says, listen, let me just tell you, remain in me, guys. I'm really the tree. You're the branches. If you connect, stay connected, if you remain in me, I in you, you're going to produce fruits. If you, if you focus on remaining, I will produce the fruits in you. The God will be glorified when, when he's glorified through the fruits that we're produced. Fruits are the evidence of the relationship. This is what I was saying. You can't claim to have fruits. If, you know, you can't claim to be connected if you ain't producing no fruits. You see that? You can't claim to be made right if you're not producing fruits. No, the fruits are important, the acts of love and benefit for other people. This is important for us, and we need all of it together. Jesus said, listen, remain in me, remain in my words, remain in, in my love, remain in this loving kindness. If, those, if your roots remain, fruits are produced. That's how it happens. That's the order of things. You can't try to do acts of justice in order to be made right with God. It doesn't work that way. It's a result of. It's the consequence of. Fruits are produced when roots remain. Jesus said these things. And the fruits are the evidence. Fruits are the evidence of that relationship. And listen, the evidence is important for each and every one of us. Because when you and I face heaven, when you and I face God, whether it's when he returns or when you and I die, whatever happens first, all right? Listen, God's going to want to pull up some receipts, okay? God's going to want to pull up receipts when you die. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's like, okay, you lost me. Okay, look, that's a cultural term. Okay, if somebody says, hey, yo, I got receipts. I got receipts. It's because it's proof. It's evidence, right? That, hey, I I got receipts that you said that, dude. Or, hey, no, I have receipt that I did this. It's a cultural term that, hey, I got evidence. I got proof. Fruits are the evidence. And God's going to want to see some receipts when we face him. In fact, we're going to see all of humanity. Listen, they're all going to go up to God one day. And I'm like, all right, I got to judge you now. We all got to face God's judgment. And what's going to be judged is the ultimate receipt. Hey, did you place your trust and confidence in Christ or not? Those who did spend an eternity in heaven. Those who don't spend an eternity in hell. I love you too much not to say that. Okay. That's the truth of it. And then God's going to say when those people are like, no, I never knew you. Those people are going to pull up receipts. And even God says there's going to be religious people who are going to pull up receipts. They'll be like, hold on, God. Wait a minute. I got receipts, Jesus. Wait a minute. I got receipts. I went to church. Look at that. I did this. Hey, I read my Bible. I did this. God, hey, I got receipts. I, I healed the sick. I've done that because, hey, I, I you know, casted out demons, Jesus. I did this, Jesus. I did this. There's going to be people pulling up religious receipts on Christ. And he's going to say, I never knew you because you just settled for the ritual and not the relationship. I never knew you. Listen, there is no amount of good deeds that can produce enough receipts to save your soul. You hear me? There's no amount of good deeds that can produce enough receipts to save your soul or society. You got one receipt. You got one receipt, and the only receipt that matters is the one that is covered in the blood of Jesus. That's the only receipt that matters. The only receipt that matters is the one that is covered in the blood of Jesus. This is the only receipt that matters if you place your trust and confidence in Christ. That's it. Now, when you get that one, then here comes round two, all right? Because when you got this one, don't, hey, you're right, you ain't done yet. Because Paul says in Corinthians chapter 3, 
Christians got to do a second judgment, round two. And now God's going to take that receipt that's covered in the blood of Jesus. And he's like, all right, let's see how much fruit you produce with that life. Let's see how much fruit you produce with that second life that I gave you. And Paul says that our, our deeds, our whole life is going to be tested by fire. And everything that you did in your strength, everything that you did that was not of God is going to burn up and it's going to be gone. The only thing that will remain are the fruits that you produce. The fruits that God produced in you. That's the only thing that will remain. And those with more fruit are going to get more rewards. So God, look, we all, we all equally will go to heaven if you put your trust and confidence in Christ. But not everybody's going to walk away with the same amount of rewards. God's fair, okay? So you all get to go, but God's going to give rewards based on the fruit that he produced in you. That's real. That's real. And Jesus talked about this in when he said, hey, if you produce fruits, if you're not producing fruits, verse 2 of 15, I will encourage you so that you can produce more fruits. Verse 6, he says, if you don't produce fruits, you will be broken off and you will be burned. This doesn't mean that you lose your salvation. What he's saying is, is that those bad deeds are going to be burned away. You can lose your, the joy of your salvation and you can lose a reward, but you don't lose your salvation there. Okay, so this is that if we remain in him, there's something beautiful that happens. And I want to end one verse here to, to, to wrap this up. If we can put it on the screen. John said these words about Jesus in John 15, about remain in me and remain in you. And you're going to produce fruits. Look what John says in his first letter. First John chapter four. John here. This is almost 40, 50 years after Jesus said those words about being the vine and the branches. Old man John, look at how those words have still remained in John's heart. Look what he says. In this, meaning if you remain, because he actually starts saying, remain in God. If you believe, you remain in God. God remains in you. He's using the same phrases that Jesus said. In this, if you remain, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, meaning Jesus, so also are we in this world. We're talking about righteousness and so much more. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not incomplete. What is he talking about? Let's bring in that here. You know what the, the fear is there? I've quoted this verse. There's, hey, perfect love drives out all fear. But John is being specific about a specific fear. What fear? The fear of this. God, I know, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for being saved. But some, but you know, I, I don't know if I produced enough fruits the way I'm supposed to. Are, are, are you mad at me if, if I, is God going to be mad that I didn't produce enough fruits or that I should have or could have? Like, is God, listen, if you remain in the love of God, if you remain in the love of God, you will not have to fear when God judges how much fruit you have or not. Because your focus is not fruits. Your focus is him. He, that's your focus. And so you don't have to, I don't have to fear my God. Listen, I know, I know the receipt that I pull up with Jesus. I know, I know. I'm going to be shocked by the things that maybe he did through me, but I'm going to be, I know it. I was like, I know that there's fruits and there's things that I could have done and didn't do. But the, when you remain in the love of God, you say, listen, okay, but you don't got to fear that day. I'm not going to be upset with you. I'm not going to be mad at you if you didn't produce more fruits than not. It's unfortunate, you know, it's, but... That when you remain in the love of God, you don't have to fear that judgment day. Either or, with the both, if you're believers in Christ, you remain. Remain in that love. Listen, that is the only way we can do these acts of justice. And, and let me just say this. If you want to walk with God, you want to have this relationship with God, can I, can I warn you? 
if you're going to walk, if you want to walk with God, you are going to walk in close proximity to the solution and the problem. If you want to walk with God, you are walking, you are choosing, you understand this, you are choosing to walk in close proximity to the solution and the problem. The solution is God. If you choose to walk with God, you are walking in close proximity to the solution. But if God is walking, where's God going? Where's God moving? Because God's on the move. I know this. God knows this. He said it. His heart is going to move to the brokenhearted. His heart is to seek and save the lost. So if you're going to walk with God, you are going to walk in close proximity to the solution. And he will walk and lead you to close proximity to the problem. And that by hit meaning the hurting, those who are lost, those acts of injustice, God will lead you because that is where he is drawn to. He will lead you to there. And that's when you just allow the loving kindness, his loving kindness to work through you. The grace of God is not something that just hits and comes to you. The grace of God is something that needs to go through you. And if we, if we, the only way we can see the grace of God transform lives is if we allow the grace to come to us, but it cannot stop there. It needs to go through us. It needs to go through us. So I don't care what the other side says. I don't, whatever you are, I don't care if, if they're not listening. I don't care if you feel like, well, they're just being manipulated or, or they're just being led or they're just being lied to. I don't care what that is. Your responsibility, talking to church, I'm talking to the church now, your responsibility is to remain in a relationship with God and understand that, that through his loving kindness, it's going to lead you to act. Jesus never just left, let it settle to look, just believe. Believe is going to impact how you live. And that life that we get, we are called to let that life hit others. Do acts of justice in loving kindness through a relationship with him. That's the receipt God wants. That's the receipt God wants. So when we remain in his love, all right, when you remain in the love of God, you, the more you remain in the love of God, both you, those around you, and our world will never be the same. If there is no Jesus in your pursuit, N-O, then there will be no justice and we will not know peace. No Jesus, no justice, no peace. But if we, K-N-O-W, okay, if we know Jesus, K-N-O-W, we will know how to do justice, K-N-O-W, and we will know personal peace, because Jesus appeased the justice of God's wrath on the cross for us. And because he did that and rose again, he breathes new life in us. And that love is going to lead us to love. All right. We, if we lean and remain, if our roots remain in a relationship with God, watch how fruits are going to be produced in your life. And listen, God wants some receipts, so you better make sure to have them. All right? But focus on the roots and the fruit to take care of themselves. That's what a revolutionary is about, revolving their life around the love of Christ. And the more you do that, the more you, like I said, you and the world around you will never be the same. As I want to invite you back, as next week, I'm going to bring my 4th of July sermon as we answer the question, is this America? See you next week.